Food is more expensive. Gas is outrageous. It's hard for people to be with their family at the holidays. People are feeling the anxiety of the unrest around the world and now profoundly concerned about how that unrest might manifest itself here in the United States, given the millions of people that we have left into our country through the borders unchecked. People are feeling very, very anxious. And they're beginning to say, I really need to step up and pay attention to these presidential candidates because America can't survive on the trajectory that we're on right now. And I think that's why we're seeing people being willing to step up and get behind Nikki Haley because they trust her. They believe that she is going to be the one to help with the great reset that we need here in America and beyond. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello and welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor and I am your Political Contessa. On this episode, I am going to showcase a woman that I have a ton of respect for, a friend of mine from Connecticut, Jamie Stevenson. Jamie is a successful municipal CEO with over 12 years of experience in local, regional, and state policymaking, budgeting, and governance. She was elected not once, not twice, but six times to the Darien Board of Selectmen. God bless you, Jamie, for that, because literally you cannot leave your house without someone harassing you. And she has served 10 years as Darien's first selectman. In 2015, Jamie co-led the establishment of the Western Connecticut Council of Governments and went on to chair the organization for two terms. She also served as the chairman of the Connecticut Interlocal Risk Management Agency and the first vice chair of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. In 2018, Jamie was a Republican primary candidate for lieutenant governor and in 2022, the Republican Party endorsed candidate for the 4th Congressional District. This woman deserves Medal of Honor for everything that she has done in public service. But she has been recognized for both her public service and her contributions in the nonprofit sector with the 2011 Connecticut State Party Women's Leadership Award, the 2021 Stanford Republican Town Committee's Claire Booth Luce Award, and the 2018 Liberation Program Spirit of Hope Award. Jamie, you are a dynamo in Connecticut, and I am just so excited to have you on here with us today on Political Contessa. So thank you. 
I am thrilled to be here, Jen. Such a joy to get to know you with our common interests. And, you know, truly as a woman, I have to say that while, you know, you're very glowing in my bio introduction, that's what women do. We just jump in, we just get involved. And that's exactly what I did. I actually grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania, and a very, very modest upbringing, and then had the great joy of meeting my husband, who was from Stamford and Darien, Connecticut. When we started having children, we were both working on Wall Street. Uh, but when we had our first child, we moved out to Connecticut for, like everybody, great schools. We went on to have five children. I've got five kids, four daughters and a son, and I'm now blessed to have three beautiful grandchildren. Uh But as like all of us women and moms, as our children are growing, we're getting involved in our community, which is exactly what I did. I was a bond analyst for Standard & Poor's. As in the first part of my career, I worked in asset-backed finance when that was brand new. Um, I like to tell everybody I was the queen of mobile home loans and BMW loan securitizations. And that all sounds very wonky, but kind of the perfect stepping stone into the political world, which is in and of itself pretty wonky. But, you know, like so many, I just got involved in the things my kids were involved with and nonprofits locally and then into the school boards with the elementary, middle school and high school. And I chaired all of those boards and really enjoyed it. Got to know the town very, very well. My husband likes to joke. He grew up here, but it's my town and I know the town a lot better than he does. (laughs) But I had this fabulous opportunity come my way in 2009. I had stopped working on Wall Street and two very successful local businessmen wanted to run for the board of selectmen and they were looking for a teammate. So I jumped at that chance, although politics was absolutely never on my radar. The closest I ever got to politics in my life was my mom was a committee woman for the Republican Party in Reading, Pennsylvania, and she worked on the Richard Nixon campaign. So I've got all those funky styrofoam hats and buttons and whatnot, but I I didn't get involved at that point in time. So me and my two guy friends in 2009, we won back the board of selectmen which was a a wonderful accomplishment. And then two years later, I had the opportunity to run for first selectman, which I did, and then ran and won five times into that seat. Privilege of a lifetime, I have to say. Never, Never thought politics would come my way, but I realized, especially at the local grassroots level, how critically important Good governance, solid policy making, sound budgeting, all of those things matter in the lives of the people that you serve. It's amazing that you say that. And and I was joking about, you know, God bless you, because you can't go to the grocery store without someone grabbing you. But it's true. And I had run for Boston City Council. So people had said to me at the time, why don't you run for Congress? Why aren't you running for, you know, the state Senate? And I said, no, no, no. Because this is important. This is my everyday life. This is, I pull out of my driveway, I walk out my front door. These are issues that I encounter. And yes, missing bricks in the sidewalk 
are actually important because someone is going to fall and either break a hip or take their teeth out or get very injured or drivers going down the wrong way, down a one-way street are going to kill someone. And and those are really important issues in your town when you love where you live. And and yes, it's great to run and you've run for higher office and it's great at that level, but it's so important to make sure that it is stable in your locality. So I give you a ton of credit for doing that because it's it's a job that's never ending because you don't get to go to DC or you don't get to go to your state capital. You are every day presented with the issues that are really affect people's people's lives in a different way. That's very true. And I also feel like it's an important experience to have if you are then going to run for higher office. You know, it, it's one thing to come out of Wall Street and go right to the House of Representatives like my congressional, the incumbent currently in the 4th Congressional District did, but serving the you know, your constituents every day, having your door open, addressing the smallest problems to the biggest disasters, which we all had. I served during innumerable storms, during Superstorm Sandy, had to um, then help the town manage through the COVID pandemic. Um, these are the kinds of things that really impact people's everyday living and I think are what you need if you're going to run for higher office so that you never lose touch with the things that are important to the people that you want to serve. Uh, that's so true. Wow. Uh, never lose touch with the people you want to serve. That that should actually be every elected official's motto, because I think that many, many people get are elected to office and then completely forget about those people that they were elected there to serve and it becomes egocentric. So thank you for for all of your public service and your dedication because we need more more people like yourself that are that are out there and dedicated. And you know, you touched on something in talking about you moving to Connecticut from Pennsylvania and I I moved from to Massachusetts from New York. And so there's something that I used to tell my my I when I was party chair in Massachusetts, I went through this little exercise with my ex then then husband and said to him, let's see how many people we each talk to during the day. Right. And let's do a little experiment. So I came home one day. I'm like, how many people did you talk to? No one. What do you mean you talked to no one? No one. Didn't you get coffee on your way to work? Yes. And then you took the elevator with people. Yes. And then you walked into an office full of people. Yes. And then you went out to how didn't you talk to anyone? <laughs> and, you know, it was a meaningful, it wasn't a high buy, right? It was, it was more of a talking about issues that are important about, you know, whether it's your family, whether it's about things going on in the world more globally. And I said, well, that's interesting because when I went to the dry cleaner, I said, how's your business doing? When I went in to get my coffee, how are things today? You know, long line. That's great. Good news. You know, crazy day. Wonderful. Boring day. That's bad. And on and on the taxi drivers, everyone that I talked to, there was a conversation on how are you? And women are so good at asking that question. How are you today? Right. And if you ask, you generally get some answer and it generally could spin into another conversation. 
And I, my, my organization, Pocketbook Project, helps women, supports and educates women to run for office. And the reason I started is because women need to be asked seven times to run for office, whereas a man, God bless them, they wake up, they brush their hair, they brush their teeth, they look in the mirror and they're like, I'm going to run for United States Senate today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, you know, you're saying come off of Wall Street and then you go and you run for Congress. Well, where is your connection into the community and the actual needs. And for me, I just think you are such a model of exactly what I'm always talking about and looking for because women are just such natural networkers and, and, you know, communicators and bring people together and collaborate. And so your story is exactly what I talk about all the time. I love hearing that. You've touched on something. I think women just inherently have that ability to connect with people. And, you know, we care deeply about the small things. And we know because we know how those small things impact our everyday lives. In the same token, though, I guess I'd say most people, they just want to live their life. They want to enjoy their family. They want to go to work, come home to a community that is safe, clean, using your tax dollars wisely, getting a good return. I always took a business approach to my leadership. You know, you have to give people a really positive ROI on the, in our area, the large tax checks that they write to our local government every year. We've got property tax that funds all of our necessities here, especially our school budgets. So people, they want to make sure that they have people in elected office that they can trust to manage all those things so that they don't have to worry about it. And I think that's what I enjoyed about the job. In the end, I didn't realize it, but you don't hear from people if things are going well, which is great, but you sure do hear from them if uh, things aren't going well. And I think we both can agree that um, while maybe not at my hyper local level here in Darien, Connecticut, everybody is tremendously concerned about things happening across our country and around the world. So I know that we probably have lots to talk about when it comes to those those things beyond um, both of our everyday lives. Well, I think that that is a phenomenal segue into, and you, I might have you as my new fill-in for me when I'm unable to do the podcast, Jamie. That was a great segue into what I wanted to get to, which is Jamie and I have many mutual friends, but the way that we have worked together now is with Nikki Haley and Women for Nikki. And Jamie is the Connecticut chair of Women for Nikki and super active there. And so I, I want to, again, take our conversation about running for office, local office, being a parent, being involved in your community, and what it means to watch Nikki Haley, who, and I know you admire this as much as I do, was a state legislator, was a governor, was a UN ambassador. She's a mom. She's the wife of a combat veteran, and she's an accountant, right? So she has this wide swath of experience, not just work experience, but life experience. Because I'll say as a mom and as your kids get older and you 
God, I, I can't even imagine the joy of being a grandmother and, and being able to also return them <laughs> when, when you, you've had enough. But, you know, it's such a, such an amazing blessing to be a mother and, and then to be a grandmother. But as your kids get older, you start seeing the world through a different lens. And I think the second you become a mom, you see the world differently. And, I have a 20 year old who goes to school in North Carolina. So the craziness in the world, the fentanyl issue right now, yes. the, the sex trafficking issues, those are actual real issues to me. People driving around, I know here in Massachusetts, it's illegal to drive while intoxicated, but that's alcohol. But for some reason, every car driving through the streets, it looks like I'm following Cheech and Chong's vehicle. You know, that, that's scary for a parent to send your child out into the world, whether they're walking across the street or driving a car, you know, going to a party and not knowing what is being put in to whether it's a roofie or fentanyl, right? And and so I look at it and say, I want a leader who actually understands all issues, right? So from domestic policy and fiscal responsibility to foreign policy, border security, and how that relates to having a your family and the impact it is on your family. And I use September 11th a lot as my example. On September 11th, I was in, I grew up in New York. I was one of the 30 flights that was airborne on September 11th. And I looked at it and said, when national security goes, then the family unit also gets disrupted because 78 people in my hometown died on September 11th. That's 78 families and the residual families that are affected. It also impacts the economy, which also impacts families. And so however you slice it and dice it, I don't know. I, I look at Nikki Haley and I say, it is her time. We need an actual leader. 1000%. And I'm beginning to feel like we don't have enough time on this podcast to talk about all those super important issues that you've brought up. But, but yes, she is the president for this moment. And I do believe that every moment requires different skill sets. This is her time for all the reasons that you have outlined, but I'll, I'll bring it back again to that really deeply personal mom and me moment when Nikki Haley became my champion. My daughter was going to the College of Charleston <clears throat> when that terrible shooting occurred in the Mother Emanuel Church. And my daughter lived about three blocks away from the church itself. So it's it's the most terrible feeling for any parent when your child could possibly be in danger and hearing the sorrow for all of those families that were impacted. It takes a real leader. You see what a leader is made of in those times of trouble. And Nikki Haley rose to the occasion. That situation could have been the first situation like George Floyd, where America devolved into crisis over a racially motivated incident. 
But I believe it didn't because of the way Nikki Haley knew how to speak to the people who were directly impacted and then take charge of the issue of the Confederate flag and what to do about the Confederate flag. And as a result, I believe that through her strong leadership, South Carolina came through that and was able to heal as well as they could because of her leadership and the compassion and empathy that she has in the type of leadership. And that's the kind of leadership that I know that I want and I know that our country needs in this moment. Absolutely. God, that's and you you have a real life example of her as a leader and and feeling it and knowing from a mom's perspective what it's like to not be able to go and grab your child at a moment of of such intensity and sadness when something like that happens i think she she is definitely the leader that we need right now and i i you know we see look you and i have been doing this for quite some time now with the campaign and helping out and you know you could see the momentum you could feel it you can feel the groundswell and it is i had the good fortune of being uh party chairman when scott brown won his historic race in 2010 for the united states senate the seat that was considered kennedy's seat and i remember months before people said nah he's not going to do it he's not going to do it you know, this, that, the other thing. And I said, I don't know. He's been underestimated before, right? And what's Nikki's slogan is don't underestimate me. And I just remember saying, you know, he is always the underdog. You'll see he's going to win. And 10 days out of the election, we were raising a million dollars a day for his race. And people were coming in from all over the country to volunteer. And so I actually know what it's like to feel that groundswell and to feel the excitement. And so you see from the first debate on how she has outperformed everyone else on the stage on those debates. You see in the poll numbers, I I point everyone to national polls when you look at who can beat Joe Biden. When you are beating a sitting United States president by nine points in swing states, to 13 points in other states, that is pretty darn telling. And I think if you replace Joe Biden with any generic Democrat, she would still be at that same level of being able to win the presidency. And you see that, right? Americans for Prosperity Action Fund just came in recently. And, you know, some of the billionaire donors that are coming in and I think that it's more than just poll numbers now, right? It's it's the support that we're seeing the campaign get. No question about that. This was a very, very exciting week for Nikki. And I think that's really what, unfortunately, what it was going to take were some influential people being brave enough to step forward and say publicly that Nikki is the candidate that we need. and. You know, I, I know that there's there's a lot of I'll, I'll posture it this way. We're so lucky as Republicans. We have a really deep bench. Right. So we've got some great choices. And then we have some choices that concern a number of us. And I think Nikki, she threads that needle between having all of the skill 
and experience and passion that you need to be the president of the United States without the baggage, right? right? And so people are waking up to that. They see those poll numbers. You know, I, I have to admit that I'm not I'm not a huge fan of polls um, because you don't really understand who they're who they're polling. Yes. But what I can say too, and I know you know this, we've seen her. There is no candidate in the field on any side of the aisle that works harder than Nikki Haley. She shakes every hand. She answers every question. She's typically the last person to leave the room because she's got that thing that so many women have. She's listening. She wants to hear from you. She wants to know what's of concern to you and your family and your small business. So I think it's a great week. And I think it's now the, the snowball is now rolling. It's rolling up the hill for Nikki Haley. And we'll see in the coming weeks who else is going to hop on board and help fund her campaign. It's very, very exciting. It's super exciting because it's not just the name. It's not just the money. It's the fact and it's not, you know, where where they can infuse cash into the campaign. But what they can do is have boots on the ground. And anyone who has ever run for office or has worked on a campaign before knows how important it is to have people who are making phone calls people who are knocking on doors and she's the one who has to sell herself. And I, I tell people all the time, if you have not seen her in person, you have got to see, make an effort to see mm -hmm. her in person because she is more dynamic in person than she even is on TV because she's so real. And you, and you said it, right? I mean, she shakes every single hand. She makes a, a, a point to speak to every single person and to listen to every single person. And that is very, very unusual in politics to see that someone, especially at that level, is taking that amount of time to really engage with voters. And, and I think you, again, I, I kind of feel like you do. I, I cite polls all the time because, you know, it's, it's part of what I do and, you know, in this world, but I always hesitate to, you know, I don't know what kind of, I, I haven't gotten called for poll. I don't know what kind of questions that are being asked, but what I do know is when I look on Twitter and I see that someone left a town hall that Nikki was at, and said, I didn't know who I was going to vote for when I came in here. I was leaning towards so-and-so, but I came out and I'm going to vote for Nikki Haley. That to me is more persuasive than anything. And I keep seeing things like that pop up. And I think that that's, it's a testament and testimonial to her, her campaign, but who she is as a person, taking that as kind of a roadshow right and and people are connecting with that and you know back in the day when George W was was elected and was running for office i remember people saying you know he's kind of the guy you want to have a beer with you know she's kind of the person like you want to have a glass of wine with you want to bring her in you want to talk you know you just want to be friends with but on top of that she's a badass right? <laughs> i mean she she has foreign policy chops that no one else has her experience as a governor 
it's tough to catch up with her. And, you know, those other candidates on the stage, like you said, we have a deep bench. I mean, for all of the BS you and I hear, especially in our blue states about, you know, Republicans and we're old and we're tired and, you know, whatever else. We have a whole bunch of young people on that debate stage. And the only person that the Democrats have right now is an 81-year-old man, white man on top of it. And so it's really interesting to watch the difference. And God, wouldn't it be fun to see a Haley-Biden debate? Oh, my gosh. Well, yes, it would be fantastic to see that. And I know certainly who would win that. You know, I think every election has a life cycle, right? And I think we're beginning to see this presidential election take a more serious turn. And you'll you'll definitely feel that as we come through the holidays. I think the holidays are going to be really hard for a lot of people. I have no idea why Karine Jean-Pierre thinks that things are better economically in America when all you have to do is, to your point earlier, go in and talk to your small businesses in your local community and you realize that that's not true. And here we are going into the holiday season. Food is more expensive. Gas is outrageous. It's hard for people to be with their family at the holidays. People are feeling the anxiety of the unrest around the world. and now profoundly concerned about how that unrest might manifest itself here in the United States, given the millions of people that we have left into our country through the borders unchecked. People are feeling very, very anxious. And they're beginning to say, I really need to step up and pay attention to these presidential candidates because America can't survive on the trajectory that we're on right now. And I think that's why we're seeing people being willing to step up and get behind Nikki Haley because they trust her. They believe that she is going to be the one to help with the great reset that we need here in America and beyond. Absolutely. And it's true. People are, at the end of the day, people vote based on on their feelings and their emotions, on, you know, how on their everyday lives, do they have the money to put in their car to take their kid to soccer practice? Do they have money to put food on the table or to keep the lights on? Or, you know, here in the Northeast where it's already freezing, do you have enough money to heat your home? Those are real considerations. You know, we have seen here in Massachusetts a crazy influx of migrants. and we have a governor and democratic control here that has kicked out elderly who have worked and paid taxes and veterans who have given their their lives for our country kicked out of their low income housing to house migrants it's it's a really sad place to be in and i think if you look at everything going on around the country that's why I think Nikki is such a, a phenomenal choice because of, you know, what you said, Christmas time is going to be tough. And whether you have loved ones who are serving overseas or you turn on the news and you see a 10 month old is given from one terrorist group to another terrorist group or a four year old comes back and is an orphan. I mean, 
your heart breaks over everything that you hear and see. And I think it's just because there has been such a lack of leadership and it is time to get someone who is in there who is going to listen, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. These issues aren't going to be solved overnight, but at least someone who has been paying attention and wants to fix the problems in the country that kind of fall over around the world. That's so, so very true. You know, those, the images and the stories coming out of Israel and the Gaza, especially for us women, us moms, us grandmoms, it is truly heartbreaking. And I love that Nikki understands that part of the world that's so important at this moment in time. And I also believe that she's going to have the right policy ideas on how to address immigration. And I know that she will be proactive in helping to fix the immigration system here in America. I think, you know, Congress has really dropped the ball, in my opinion, on moving us to a place where we have good processes and a legal immigration system that welcomes immigrants into America. We want that. We all want that, Republicans and Democrats alike. And I know that Nikki Haley's the president that can get that done once and for all. Absolutely. I I agree. And and I think that we are going to hopefully we have we have a it's not going to be a Christmas gift, but maybe a late New Year's gift for all of us that she comes out of Iowa. I know in the Iowa caucuses, you know, she's polling ahead of DeSantis now at about 17% to his 16 in New Hampshire. You see, she's, you know, already hit the 20% mark and just keeps going up and has more and more people coming out and supporting her and more and more people working for her. And I, I think that that's all a very good indication of of where she is going. And I am just so proud to support her. And I'll tell you, you know, this, maybe this isn't great for the campaign and they might not want to hear this, but, and maybe you have this experience in Connecticut, but in blue, blue Massachusetts, I talked to more frustrated Democrats Mm -hmm. who are old school Democrats that maybe Republican if it was a different world or maybe moderate or just maybe a a more moderate Democrat that say, I really like Nikki Haley. And I think if she was the Republican nominee, I could see myself voting for her. And that to me is, isn't the, aren't we ready for that? I mean, haven't we had enough name calling and infighting and hatred and disrespect in elected office, isn't it time that we have someone that everyone could rally around? And yeah, the fringes are never going to, you know, we've got Lauren Boebert and the other side has the squad. And, you know, are are they ever going to agree on a consensus? No, that's fine. You don't need 100%. It's Ronald Reagan. Just 80%, 80%, that's all we need. And I think it would be really healthy for the country to start healing in a way where we have a candidate who can bring everyone together, can unify the country, put us back on track to be a, a world leader and to gain respect around the world. And and she's really the only person I see that can that can do that. And maybe it's idealistic, but how wonderful would that be? We need it. Really, America can't go on the way that we are. 
supporting leaders that are so divisive on both sides of the aisle. And I think we can get there when you think about probably your state's the same as mine, where we have so many people that no longer want to officially identify as Republican or Democrat. They're unaffiliated voters. And I do talk to them all the time. And they're very happy that Nikki's in the race. They're giving her a good, hard look for all those reasons that you stated. And I think that there's going to be a groundswell and then there's going to be some positive surprises because I don't think those unaffiliated voters really tip their hat very early in a presidential cycle. So I I am extremely hopeful. I think she's going to do fantastic in the early states and the momentum will just pick up from there. And, you know, as she likes to say it, I love her line. We have a country to save. And boy, has that not ever been more poignant today than ever. I know that she's the woman that can get that done. Yes. And her positive attitude, right? It's not yes. It's not a fear tactic. It's not scaring anyone. It's just she smiles. She is positive about the trajectory of the country. And I think, again, as, as moms and as a grandma, having that beacon of hope it makes me feel so much more comfortable to know that the country could be in the hands of such a strong leader. And yeah, it's it's nice. We, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'll tell you, the highlight of my of my career so far, and I've been working on political campaigns for over thirty years, is working on this campaign and getting to meet women around the country like yourself, and getting to work for an amazing candidate like Nikki Haley. Oh, I completely agree. You know, the sisterhood that is coalescing around Nikki Haley across our country is amazing. And, you know, we're going to see that passion and power come into action for Nikki's benefit more and more as the months go on. And, you know, it's I, I love the the Haley's Comet uh, sort of visual because I think it will be the women of this country that will lift her up and help her succeed and become the next president of the United States. Absolutely. And with that, I don't think there's any better way to end <laughs> on Haley's comment and Nikki Haley becoming the next president of the United States. Thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate you being here with me today on Political Contessa. It was such a pleasure. Thanks, Jen. And that was Jamie Stevenson. She is the win for Nikki chair in Connecticut and a fabulous woman, mother, grandmother, professional, elected official. I mean, it just goes on and on. So I, I appreciate you all listening to me today here on Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor. I'm your Political Contessa. Stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Contessa.com.